0: Guys, I hope uh, each and every one of you guys are having a good morning so far. Um, No matter where you're at, whether it's morning, afternoon, evening, uh, we're just so glad that you uh, are able to join us uh, today. Is Church Online. I appreciate each and every one of you guys uh, patiently walking with us as we navigate this. Um, You know, one of the things that's becoming more apparent right now with what's happening. Uh, all around us is that uh, church is not a building and uh, it's not a location it's it's a group of people it's you it's me Uh, and it's becoming more evident right now on how the church is is responding to what's happening with uh, with COVID-19 and uh, so I want to take a brief minute before I kind of dive into a small devotion uh, this morning Um, I want to I want to talk about something real quick and that's our response because I think that's come up a few times over the past couple weeks is what, is, what is Vintage doing? What is the church's uh, response? And, um, and sometimes it's about whether or not we're gonna have service again. And honestly, we don't know uh, the logistics of that. But uh, one thing is clear is that our church is not a service. Uh, our church has a service. Um, and our service ends up just being a small part of really who we believe we are. And so we're being tested in a lot of different ways to make sure that we are the church and that we are reaching the community the way that we hope. And I want you to know as a church, we are doing the very best we can to have all the right conversations with the right people to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing and what God's asking of us in this season. We truly believe that we have the opportunity like no other to be the most generous we've ever been uh, as a church and as individuals, to be the most generous and loving and caring And bringing hope to the table in ways that we never have uh, before. And so we're talking with all of our nonprofits that we currently support, whether that's First Community uh, Village or Foster Village, uh, Austin Angels. Um, And then, of course, Blazer Elementary even had a phone call this week from the uh, principal uh, at Blazer uh, Elementary. And we're just trying to navigate what are the best ways that we can serve and we can meet meet needs. And so we want you guys uh, to be praying for that and also uh, how you can get involved. And so this week through our social media outlets, uh, through email blasts uh, that we will send out, you will get uh, some more information uh, on that. And so uh, today I've kind of titled uh, today's, uh, calling it a little bit more of a devotion because it doesn't feel like I'm preaching. Um, you're in my home today uh, and I'm right there in yours. And so i uh, kind of looking at this as a little bit of a devotion, but titled today uh, sermon is called our devotion is called uncertain. And the reason we're titled uncertain is because there's a lot of uncertainty right now. Every week and every day, almost every hour, this COVID-19, this uh, coronavirus is changing. It's changing the way the cities are running. It's changing the way that um, you know, we're dealing with friends and family and uh, it's just it's it's rapidly changing. And we don't we don't really know what's happening in the foreseeable future. So this week, a lot of uncertainty kind of came out. Uh, A lot of people, maybe you're watching this and maybe your job changed. Uh, You don't know what's going to happen in the future. Maybe you're in a place this morning where you know somebody specifically that has this virus and uh, it's brought a lot of uncertainty. And what gets attached with uncertainty is fear. And so I want to continue to drive down a few points as I get to spend some time with you this morning. Um, And... One of the things that scriptures that gives us hope, uh, one of the places biblically that gives us hope because it's a real-time uh, example is when Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul, is speaking to the church in Corinth. And uh, you see, Paul, when he wrote this certain passage of scripture, he was super discouraged. Um, the Bible even tells us that he was so discouraged unto death, which meant that he had even got to the point where uh it was almost like committing suicide for him, that he just—he was so overwhelmed with uh, the discouragement uh, that he was in despair. But he did something that I think a lot of us have to do, and he made a declaration. And one of the declarations that he made was a reminder to himself. And so one of the things I want to challenge you to do this morning with you and your family is I read this scripture, I want you to remind yourself of this. And I want you to notice the words uh, that are highlighted, or the words that I'll, that I'll, I'll highlight. And, and this passage of scripture I want to read to you is 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. And it says this, it says, He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. And again, remember Paul's posture here. He was in despair, It was a really difficult time for him, yet he was able to remind himself. And there's a few words that I highlighted here. Number one being, he has, which means God will always do this for us. And then the second one, he will, he will do it. He will deliver us. And last, he will continue to do so. I want you to declare that over your family, over your marriage, over your kids this week. Um, Today, take a pause and, and just remind yourself that he has done it. He will do it, and he will continue uh, to do it. You see, a lot of things can bother our body and our lives. This sickness is really real. This sickness is, the data is changing every single day about what is happening to people. And the thing is, is that even though it's a sickness in the body, we have to be very careful that we don't let it sicken our soul at the same exact time. When we don't know what's happening around us, we can't allow that type of fear to sicken our soul, to let it get deep down inside of our soul that we're paralyzed by fear. And you see, there's a fear for everything. You know, there's one fear called pathophobia, which is the fear of disease. There's another uh, phobia called monophobia, which is the fear of being alone, which I hope never happens to us, right? There's glossophobia, which is the fear of public speaking. And then there's uh, algo-phobia, which is the fear of pain. And then one of uh, probably the most common uh, fears out there is the penetherophobia, which is the fear of your mother-in-law. That's an actual real phobia that uh, some of us are actually fearful of our mother-in-law. And so I know some of you guys are writing that down right now. However, here's what I want us to understand. There's a fear for everything. And the enemy wants us to be fearful in uncertain seasons because we will start to lean one of two directions. We will lean away from our faith or we'll lean into our faith. And I'm reminded of a story about a guy that walked up to a house. He was walking up to a house, and on the fence there was a big sign that said, Beware of the dog. And it was a big sign. And a few seconds later, the owner of that house comes walking outside with a little, little bitty dog, a little, little foo-foo dog in his hand. And the guy, the guy looks at the owner and says, man, this, this dog, you know, well, he wouldn't hurt a soul. And the owner responded, yeah, but the sign can. And here's the thing, we fear things that really can't hurt us, but the sign will. And what I mean by that is that just the fear of the sign can cause us to make decisions and think through things that could be very that clouds our view. And I'm going to talk about that here in a minute. And we kind of experienced that this week on a personal level is because I think it was Tuesday night or Wednesday night, um, our son, Nehemiah, um, you know, if you know him, he's a hundred miles an hour. And uh, he started getting about 30 miles an hour and he started slowing down a little bit. And we went for a family walk and uh, he couldn't ride his bike the entire way. And, you know, and you just started noticing something was off with him. And eventually we found out that he had a fever. And he had a fever and he wasn't feeling good. And we had to put him, you know, uh, lay him down and uh, try to get him to rest and hydrate him. And immediately, immediately, you start thinking of the beware of dogs. On it. You start thinking that something bad is about to happen. And, you know, you, he, he ended up getting sick uh, later in the night. And immediately, your mind starts to race. It's a very real thing to be afraid of something. But the reality is, is you and I have a choice at that point, again, is to lean in or lean out. And so when fear happens to us, there's a few things that happen. Three specific things that happen is fear actually breeds more fear. Fear actually starts to breed more fear. So now you're scared everywhere. You're not just scared about one thing. You're scared about everything. Which means now you won't even approach the house with the sign on the fence, right? The next thing that happens is fear clouds our judgment. We can't really make wise decisions when we're full of fear. And number three is this. Fear starts to redirect our energy. You see, when Nehemiah started getting sick this week and we started you know, running through our mind and looking at symptoms and you start running down that route, your energy starts to change. Your your joy starts to deplete. Your hope starts to kind of waver and you start to balance this out and it's a, it's a fight and, and your energy starts to change. And that's the thing is I want us to... Have a moment today where you and I can take those fears that you and I have or the uncertainty that you and I have in this season and convert your fear into faith. Take all of those things and put the same energy you're attacking fear or you're you're feeling with fear and attack faith. Go after faith and pursue faith the way that you're taking precautions about your fear. And I want to talk about a quick story because I think it's always great for us to be able to look at stories in the Bible or find places or people in the Bible that have something similar that's happening to them or we find encouragement from. And so I'm going to tie two kind of quick perspectives. And, and here's why this is such a devotion, because I don't have the time today to unpack from a theological place every single thing about this book. But I am going to talk about a gentleman by the name of Job. And most of you guys have heard about this guy named Job. You see, in Job was a very wealthy man, and he was living in a place called Uz, right? Or Uz, or however you want to uh, pronounce it. But he had uh, an extended family, and he was very wealthy, and he had a lot of kids, and he had flocks, and he was very, very wealthy. And uh, the Bible tells us uh, in Job that he was blameless and upright. This guy had everything going for him. He had everything in line. He did everything he was supposed to do. He was blameless, upright. He would have thought that everything was perfect in his life. He was constantly mindful to live in a righteous manner. He understood what righteous living was, and he he was mindful of that and started to live that way. And to break down the book of Job, uh, and again, it's in the Old Testament. um, Chapters 1 through 3, you see something happen to Job, and Job's faithfulness is tested. You see, Satan, the enemy, wants to inflict suffering. He wants to inflict fear. He wants to take away the things that God has given us, right? And over the time of one day, Job is given four different reports about what is happening in his life. And each informing him that in one report, his sheep and his servants had all died. In another report, his children have died due to thieving intruders and natural disasters. You see, in one swift moment, Job's entire faith gets shaken. In one swift moment, uncertainty happens. And the Bible tells us in Job chapter 1, verse 20, it says this. It says that this, Job got up and tore his robe and shaved his head. And I want to pause right there for a minute. Think about what happened to Job. His wife even gets to the point where she says, hey, you know that God that you serve? You should probably curse him for all the things that, you've, that he's doing to you. And all of a sudden, Job started feeling the pressure that the results of what was happening in front of him was because of him. And he had all of this tension, losing his kids, losing his wealth, losing his flocks. And the Bible tells us that he tore his robe and shaved his head. And then here's something that is astounding. Because it's not the natural reaction that you would think you and I may have. But it says, Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I come from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Now, first and foremost, I'll be honest with you. I'm not sure I would respond that way. And i I get hope and encouragement that in uncertain times, my prayer is that I could respond like this, that I could show moments of despair, but I will fall on my face before the Lord, fall to the ground and I'll worship. I'll worship. And I'll give my life in an act of worship to magnify a God that can see things that I can't see, to to magnify him so I can try to understand and see what he sees. Because again, we're only seeing what's happening in our world through just this little keyhole. God sees the, the full spectrum of what's happening. And you and I have to lean the right way. You and I have to lean the right direction. You see, and when, when this happens to Job, he leans into worship. He leans into worship. And that's why we started this very thing that we filmed. We we, we started it today with Worship to get to a point where we can magnify God so well that that in the midst of it all, God continues and stays bigger than who we are. That he becomes bigger than the the fear. He becomes bigger than that because then we start to convert our fear into faith. You see, you and I need to trust the Lord in this time with worship, which leads me to a question. In In the middle of your uncertainty, where are you leaning and who are you trusting? Are you trusting money? Are you trusting maybe your job? Are you trusting the stock market? Are you trusting Netflix? Are you trusting a a bottle? Are you trusting food? What are you trusting in right now? And that's something that you in your home have to wrestle with today. What am I trusting? And if you're not trusting and leaning towards the Lord, my my hope for you today is that you would realize that there's a loving God sitting on the other side of the table that, that is loving you and seeing you exactly the way that you are, and he wants you to lean into him. I love when you actually walk through Job and you walk through kind of his life story. You see this uncertainty happen to him at the beginning of of his life, and he has moments where he questions God. He has moments where he almost, I would assume he raises his voice to the Lord in in discord and discomfort and uh, doubt and worry. But here's the thing. The entire book of Job, he is in constant contact with God. The purest version of him all the time. But one of my favorite verses, actually in all of scripture, is Job chapter 42, verse 5. In all of this stuff that happens with Job, he makes this statement. And he says, in in chapter 42, verse 5, he says, My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. You see, I truly believe that in the middle of what's happening in the world around us, what's happening in your home right now, what's happening in your neighborhood, what's happening in the city, the state, this country, this world, that it's an opportunity for you and I not just to hear about this God that loves us, but to actually see him, to see the fruit of the love and the grace and the mercy that he has for each one of us. You see, because just like Job's story, did you know he had friends of his that gave him bad advice? He had friends that said the wrath that's upon you is because of the sin that's in you. And Job even wrestles with that. That what's happening in my life, the negativity that's happening, the 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 my my kids dying or this or that, all of this stuff. Job even gets to a point where he he looks inward and he he almost takes the advice of his friends. He almost takes that advice and believes that he could. He could earn God's favor by working through it. By what he did is how he would accomplish uh, what what he had is because of the good person he was. And what happens at the end of Job is he realizes, he realizes very quickly that God is sovereign and bigger than anything he could ever imagine. And when you think about Job, Job kind of leads us into a, a place where if you're familiar with the gospel and you're familiar with Uh, with the Bible, a lot of people will go after Job to find the meaning of suffering. They'll go look at Job and say, I got to find a reason for my suffering and I'm going to go find it in Job. But I want you to understand that in the middle of this uncertainty, Job is not meant to give us a specific reason for suffering or to give us fear. Instead, Job points us to the person who suffered perfectly on our behalf. You see, Job starts to paint this picture Of somebody who would suffer years later. Somebody who would suffer on our behalf. You see, Job had this direct relationship with God. His suffering was tied directly to what God was allowing in his life at that point. And all the years later, we find something happened in the gospel you flash all the way forward to the New Testament and this guy by the name of Jesus shows up on the scene and he shows up on this scene and he makes a few very important declarations. One, he is the son of God and that he came, he came to serve, not to be served. He came and he set tables with people that probably didn't feel like they deserved to be at the table. He spoke in parables and stories and he connected the dots between people that felt far from God and he allowed people to get close to him, which meant when they got close to him, they got close to God. He called on people like Matthew, who was a tax collector that people had probably written off and were angry at. And Jesus looked at him and said, hey, I need you to come with me because I'm gonna, I need you to help me go reach people. You see, Jesus kind of did everything way out of the ordinary. And what we start to see is that in this, in the picture of Jesus, especially Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you start to paint this picture of of Jesus and a God who starts to redeem us. And in the short time I have with you today, this may be the most important thing you can hold on to today, is I want you to take a moment this week and just go right back to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is the New Testament. These are four different Writers speaking and writing to four different audiences, all at different time frames, talking about one person, the name of Jesus. And if in this uncertain time, if there's one thing I will tell you to do in the midst of your home, lean into worship and go find Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what you'll find is that you'll understand the person of Jesus and what he did for you and faith will start to rise in you, that the fear and the uncertainty starts to go away. You see in Matthew chapter 26, verse 36, Jesus is starting to get to the point where he's heading to the cross. And we're just a few short weeks away from Easter. And it seems so fitting that right with where we're at today and what God has placed on my heart for you and me today, is for us to realize that there's a moment in Matthew chapter 26, starting with verse 36, Jesus takes the disciples and he goes into this place called Gethsemane. And it's the garden. And he brings the disciples with him and he says, Hey, I need you guys to wait right here. I need you to pray and watch. And Jesus goes a little bit further, takes a few more disciples with him and tells them the same thing. And then the Bible tells us that he went to pray. And he went to pray. And you know what he prayed for? He prayed for us. Because you know what he did? He took all the suffering, he took all the pain. He took all of the things that people were dealing with. He took the weight of the world, and he held it for a minute. And when he held it for a very quick minute, he felt the weight of it. And he even prays to his own father. He prays to God and says, if you would take this cup from me, take it. And what I love is what happens next is he goes back to check on his disciples, and then he goes back and he prays again. But this time, when he goes to pray, the Bible says that he fell on his face, Before God. And this time he felt the anguish again and he prays again, Lord, if it's your will, take this cup from me. Father, he says, Take if you would take this cup from me, take it. And then he says, one of the boldest statements that you and I can hold on to today: Not my will, but your will be done. And when Jesus walks back out to the disciples and he walks back out to them and he says, Rise, let's go, he starts the journey to the cross. And eventually we see Jesus on the cross and he died for you and me. And he restored our relationship with the Father. He took all the suffering. He took all the pain. He took all the sin that you and I have within us. The sin of yesterday, the sin of today, the sin of tomorrow. He took all of that and he put it on the cross. And then three days later, he rose again. And it is the most beautiful picture of redemption that you and I can have. The most beautiful picture. You see, when you start to pay attention to that in the Gospels, and you start to just zone in on that, that he prayed for you, that he that he understood sorrow and pain, that he gets it, that he suffered just like us, he dealt with temptation just like us, he dealt with what's happening. Jesus is not far away right now. He is carrying the same weight today. He's carrying it for you and me. You don't you and I don't have to carry this anguish by ourselves or this uncertainty or this fear. When Jesus walked into Gethsemane and he laid before the Lord and he prayed and he wept for you and me, he's doing that on our behalf today. And I want you to understand that this week, as you journey in your faith, as you walk, take a step of faith today. Remember, we exist to love everyone towards a growing relationship with Christ. My challenge to you today is to lean into Jesus, lean into him, convert your fear to faith and lean into Jesus and hit the reset button and say, this week, I'm going to go find Jesus again. I'm going to go find Jesus again, because honestly, it's only Christ that can bridge the gap between us and the father. And so, again, I want to just challenge you this week. Um to hear him, to listen, find those spots in your house to, to, to worship, find those moments to read, find those moments to pray with your family. We're going to have digital groups this week. And so you may have seen on our social media where you can jump on a men's group and a women's group, and there's date nights and there's all this kind of stuff that's happening. Make sure you lean in to those things because that's how God's going to reach communities in this, in this season. There's people that need us. They need you. You have a gift in you. You have a story in you that people want to know and that your community needs you, your workplace right now, your home. Let God reset and recenter where we're used to learning and or leaning and where we're used to trusting. So we love you guys. I want to pray for you real quick and then we'll close up today. So thank you for being with us today. And again, if you, if you're new and you're watching this for the very first time and you want to know more about Vintage, you can text the number uh, below if you if you need a prayer requests text the number uh, that's below and then uh, also too, maybe you make a decision today maybe you're on online church right now maybe you're on YouTube you're on Facebook wherever make sure that you reach out to us if you make a decision you say look look pastor I'm gonna make a decision today to trust Christ in this season then please let us know because we want to walk it out with you so right where you're at today if you would if you would like we always say just have open hands Have open hands and open hearts. And I want to pray for you real quick. God, we just come before you this morning or this afternoon, this evening, no matter where anybody is watching this from. And Jesus, oftentimes there's a sign that kind of scares us and and, and we get fearful and we find ourselves in uncertainty and in uncertainty, anxiety comes and all this other stuff starts to happen. But I pray right now for that person who's dealing with that. And I pray that Jesus, you, would show them right now how much you love them and that you're for them and you care for them. And Jesus, that you would just help each and every one of us to lean into worship and to lean into you during this season. Jesus, we trust you with, with what's happening in our world. And Lord, I pray that you would trust us to be able to be an influence for you in this world. So thank you for Jesus on the cross, which is the most important uh, aspect of our faith. Jesus on the cross and Jesus coming out of that tomb. Jesus, I pray that you would teach us this week as we go search Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to find you, that, Lord, that we would bump into you and find you and that you would just embrace us as we try to embrace you this week. And I pray for that person right now, God, that's watching this, that fears, that has uh, their life is full of fear, or they feel all alone, whatever it looks like for them. Jesus, you'd be right there in their living room. And Jesus, it's not by luck or by chance that they're listening to this. And Jesus, help us to have a raw, relational faith God, yeah, that moves us hour to hour, day by day, closer to you. So we love you, we thank you, and we ask all of this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Hey guys, I'm so glad.